initial. Thank you yeah. for your presentation. Uh, yeah. I'm actually not coaching so much, uh, but basically handing over my coaching to to my young coaches. So we have this yeah. thing now. We have like Monday and Thursday. We work with the uh, swimmers, home swimmers, uh, on uh, dry land, and we give them quiz, uh, quiz about uh about uh, nutrition, quiz about uh. Mm, uh exercises uh energy simple quiz depend on their level and then we have every tuesday we have a zoom session with our coaches so my head coach is doing that so uh, basically every day we have something ongoing and we even touch base with our learn to swim parents and swimmers so that they also into the team so basically the team is all in a way interconnected unless they don't sign on to the zoom so most important, as you say, start with one or two. I only need to touch base. I had a very good head coach, and now he's grooming uh, many seven to eight young coaches, and I have a few old experienced coaches. So we are all together sharing and learning. So I will tell you, education and knowledge, like what you emphasize, is very important. Because as a coach, right, all these that you learn, uh, it's, uh, it's not money, but then you have a lot of influence and you grow a lot of things. So you make a really make a difference if you em empower yourself with knowledge. So it's very critical. Thank you very much for today's session also. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience as well. Um, I think everyone here that is already implementing some of these uh, things with their coaches, their athletes, I mean, uh, I think we all have time to to work on some, uh, you know, on these conversations, uh, start conversations like this. I think it's so important, right? Um, I continue my uh, life coaching sessions with my athletes, right? I, I, um, you know, the, the goal setting never stops. Uh, I, it, maybe now it's not about swimming, but uh, about life, right? What, what is the next step? What is the next thing for you? How are you going to challenge yourself in this situation? And I throw those questions consistently, uh, in, you know, when I'm when I'm talking with my athletes, right? And and it's important. It's important to always uh, challenge to to move forward man, and and not just stay on that comfort zone, right? So, uh, thank you, thank you for sharing. Absolutely uh, correct. Because I'm trying to my tell tell my coaches, you have to read in between the line and predict the next step, especially post-COVID-19, what is the recovery for the next six months that you need to put in place now? Absolutely. Yep. Thank you for sharing that. Anybody else has any questions? Hi, Coach. Um, uh, Coach Gil Beaker from Singapore. Uh, also, thank you for your presentation. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, I have a, so quite a lot of questions, but, not, uh, but they're all disconnected. Um, one of them is this life coaching. Um, firstly, uh, you say most of your experiences with the girls, uh, or with the females. Um, I know, I follow sort of Christine Sheptunas quite a lot and I know she's quite outspoken about how, how male coaches are interacting, uh, with their female athletes. Um, but it's become sort of a, a slightly more recent uh, experience of mine that our girls are quite tough. Um, and actually the, uh, the boys are the ones that, uh, or the males are now sort of seen um, in, in an emotional sense, uh, be, uh, be 
a little bit uh, weaker, perhaps. Um, um, and, and I'm finding that um, I need to deal more actually with my male, my male swimmers than um, the, on their emotional side than, than the female swimmers. Um, I find the girls to be quite tough. But additionally, um, on my team of about roughly 120, 80 of them are females. There's uh, close to 70 or 80 percent of my team is now females. I feel like uh, the females are inheriting the world, actually. Um, they're, they're tougher and tougher, and actually, I think they're stronger. And, and I wonder if this is because uh, in, in the past, we've already been dealing uh, with, we, we've always maybe viewed the girls as being more, say, emotionally fragile. And so instinctively, we've already, we've already been dealing with, with some of these uh, challenges that they face. Uh, but we've been neglecting the, the boys. Uh, or, or the males, and um, I don't know. What, what are your comments, perhaps, on would you deal in the same way with the, the females as as you do with the males? Um, are, are they, in your opinion, experiencing same kinds of, uh, let's say, self doubt, um, or, or is it different? Um, what What are some of your thoughts about sort of the differences between the females and the males, and, and how you would uh, maybe address what's going on in our current situation? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, yeah, so in my current situation, I work only with females, right? But uh, as I said, I, I don't think there is a, a difference uh, on whether you you, um, you need to treat one or the other different. Uh, maybe the the topics of conversation and the uh, the, the issues that they want to talk about might be different. Um, but it, it's interesting what you say, right? Like I think um, we used to assign uh, being emotionally uh, you know, or, or emotional being as, as weak, or or it, it was a bad thing, right? And 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 I think um, I, I I cannot agree more with you. I think the women are, are taking over, and and it's it's very very fascinating. And, and there is other coaches here that I'm sure they coach both genders. I know Sergio does, but it's very fascinating to see um, you know female athletes uh, that how deep they can get in their in their beliefs and in their in their thoughts process and and their consciousness and their awareness, right? Uh, I remember when I was an athlete of their age, there was, there was, I was not even close to some of the uh, awareness that they bring, uh, you know, when uh, they can get into, you know, and I think nowadays, uh, you know, with the social uh, situation and how things have changed in this world, like I think the women uh, are more uh, able to bring more to the table uh, just because they have that uh, emotional connection and the, the you know the emotional intelligence um so i don't know if i'm answering the question but uh, with boys i would i would i would do the same and that's the thing like i've had this conversation with other coaches and they say well i have i coach boys that are 12 or 15 and they don't care about this stuff you know if i ask them what they want to do in life they don't care they just want to be and 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 so I don't care, you know. They just show up and then try to swim fast and have fun. There is no nothing bad with that, but I I do believe that as coaches we're, we're bringing a service, right? We're, we're providing a service, and I think part of that service is you got to challenge them. And I, and I think it's important to start at an early age. You got to challenge them on on you know what what stops them uh, from going to the next level. What what holds them back? You know, what are their limiting beliefs? And, and they might have no answer whatsoever because they've never thought that, it, you know, they, they think they're unstoppable. And, and 
but they're not. They have fears, like everybody else. They have many fears, and, and I think it's important to dig into that so they can actually start, you know, uh, working on that. So, um, again, I'm, I'm I'm not sure if I'm answering exactly. You, you wanted to know more about the boys, but uh, I'm more than happy to hear other people if that works with with men and and. I'm, I'm going to give a theory, Ignacio, if you don't mind, because I, I, I think I understand what Jill is saying, and I have my own theory about this. And I, I believe... Go ahead, Miguel. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, as he said, if somebody else has any idea, I'm, I just want to share my opinion. My opinion is that women are emotionally a lot more elastic. So when, when they are under pressure, they can um, take the pressure and bounce back better than men, but they'll bounce back in different directions. So if, if they're under pressure and they get stretched, they bounce back and they don't agree with you, they'll bounce back further away from you. But if they are pushed and they are with you, when they bounce back, because they're more elastic, they bounce back bonding a lot more with a coach where men are a little bit less elastic, less tough. So when you're working with them, it's harder to both um, break them, but also to create that much more of a bond with them. So with women, you probably have more of an impact in being very careful that when they bounce back, they bounce back bonding. Where with men, I think, you need to take care of them, but you don't need to worry so much about the, um, you do need to worry about the relationship with the coach, but you need to worry more that they are safe and that they understand um, what you're doing about it and um, then they'll be okay. I don't know if that's making sense or responded what Jill was asking. I think, I think um, it, it works for me. Thanks, Miguel. I want to say something. Uh, uh, around 2009, or whenever we started working with my brother with the ball school with in the with the peak performance program that we call it for the athletes. A part of it, uh, one important part that we had with the athletes, and then I did with the coaches, is this thing called fit forward. You know, and and that's uh, uh, like like pretty much like what uh, Ignacio said is sitting down with them and asking them questions and making sure that they answer whatever issue they had with the knowledge that they had, they were able to come out with the answer. And we started that with 14-year-old kids, 15-year-old kids. And it worked very well with male and, and female. You know? Nowadays, in, in your society over there, you might not see it as much as we see it, but I have more issues related to sexual orientation, uh, bulimia, uh, with food, food disorders with men sometimes than with women. And it's a big problem, you know? It's a big problem that I cannot address it because I'm not a therapist or I'm not a psychologist. Or, and I have, if I see any signs, I have to, to, set, to send it to a specialist. But if I work the way Ignacio is telling, empathizing with them and trying to never uh, be judgmental. doesn't matter what my beliefs are and just trying to have a conversation with them and they can answer their own questions at one moment maybe like you said not in one day two days or a year later they open up they feel comfortable 
and these are male. Do you see them? You, you see them walking seven feet tall every day, like this, and then they're struggling because they're gay and they don't know how to say. And that's a big problem. Um, Go ahead, Tyler. Um, I, I think this is a really, really interesting topic, and, and I think we've got to be really careful how how we address and and, and pigeonhole genders because. Certainly in the West, and obviously we're working with an international school, so it's a much more Western way of thinking, but the, the attitudes around things, I think, in a positive way are changing, like you say, Sergio, in terms of male mental health. But it is very much in a transitional period, and it's quite confusing, I think. Like, you know, we've gone from, from years and years of men have to be strong and not show their emotion or, or that's the, the perception of strength is you don't show emotion and you're tough and you know you don't cry and all this kind of stuff to it's okay to do that now and, and that message is going to take time to 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 move across to, to where it's like there is a balance like what um, uh, Miguel said you know like that elasticity it's just I don't think there's that big a difference in emotion between males and females. It's just the society that you currently live in or, or, or the, the norms of years gone by. And I think, like, you just even just have to look at this that we're talking now. Like, very few females on here now in, in a sport that in lower age group levels is, like Gil said, predominantly female. It's interesting that it, it falls away. That's a different conversation and it, it becomes actually more male at, you know, college and past a uh, past college level, but I think it is that the gender equality issue is is so so important. And it's quite uh, for me, like in this conversation we have here, like I have so many conversations with males all the time, and like it, you have a bias. It's impossible to know other than when you know I, and my wife a hard time for saying the wrong thing. You know, like in the house, like it's really important that females are in terms of the coaching world, I think, are involved in these types of conversations too. So I guess I'd be interested in any of the females that are in the in this conversation now as to what their take is on how they see the male and female thing because whatever we do, like as much as I, I want to try and, you know, understand the, the, the gender inequality, I will never be able to see it through the eyes of a female in the same way you can't see it through the eyes of a different race you know it, you can only know what you you feel so for me it's quite interesting like what if there is any females i, I can't see anybody on camera and hear what they are kind of before a female talks uh, i'm just going to say something let's say forget about uh, uh, sex male or female let's say you uh, in a country like singapore probably like or myself like We've coached, I coach kids from every single religion, Muslims, uh, Jews. One time I had two guys in my team. They were roommates, one from, from uh, Israel, the other one from Palestine. And, you know, uh, very interesting situations. And they were best friends. But so I'm not, I'm not religious. I don't believe in God, you know. And I'm sorry that I say that in front of people. But if somebody, but for me, how can I accept what a Muslim believes, what a Catholic believes, and this. I have to withdraw myself from all that. And I have to withdraw myself of what a woman thinks, or what a man thinks, or what a, uh, a boy that thinks he's a woman thinks. Just, I have to make them understand who they are. 
mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. judging who they are. And that's the hard part, you know. And, and, and that's, I don't think it's so much about what gender you are and which gender you're working. It's about knowing yourself and saying, okay, you know, it's okay. You're a Jew, you're Jewish, I appreciate that. I make you stronger every day. You know, I'm not going to judge why, or if you're Muslim, why you have Ramadan and you cannot eat for 30 days or whatever it is, and then you're so weak at practice. No, you have to respect all that, you know? Mm-hmm. But it depends how you talk to the people and how you make them, like uh, like uh, Nacho said, Ignacio said, how you empower them to give you the answer and you ask the questions without judge, judging. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that would be the bottom line of learning how to be a better coach, life coach. But if there's any female, uh, hopefully they can give us a, their opinion. Others no. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Uh, anybody else has anything? No? Um, I'd like to ask uh, maybe Sergio, uh, your best place. Um, so in this is obviously at the university level. Um, uh, some of your swimmers are are they they're on a scholarship, um, so they have a job to do at the end of the day. Um, and uh, uh, I wonder the difference between sometimes uh, just being a transaction. You know, we we've recruited you um, because of what we feel you can bring to the team. Uh, you want to swim on our team. Um, and, and then there's a, a breakdown, and uh, I, I wonder um, how, how like, recruiting is affected. Or, or do, put do put we... it like this: you have to be very careful in judging judging the character of, of people. And and Nacho can tell you because he he may be recruiting in a different way. Like for example, when I recruit somebody, I don't look only at their best times. If I get to know them, I, I'm very limited with the number of scholarships. Like in the men's side. I have 32 athletes, and I have 9.9 scholarships for four years. So I have to be very selective. So when I give a scholarship to a kid for four years, because I give them for four years, some coaches give them for one year, and that really creates a lot of problems. But if I give a a kid a scholarship for four years, you know, um, by the NCAA rules, if that that kid doesn't perform, let's say comes to the – uh, the team in a double O, 100 freestyle, in 60 seconds on the freestyle, and the first year goes 106, I cannot take the scholarship away. That kid keeps the scholarship. So with that being said, my job is to make sure that I make the best out of each kid for the four years. Make sense? If I, I cannot kick them out. If I kick them out of the team, they keep the scholarship. And I cannot use that money. Make sense? So as a coach, I have to figure out ways of like making that kid be a, uh, understand their issues and, and working on that. And that's a, uh, you have with that with the best athletes. You don't think Joseph Schooling or Ryan Murphy or anyone that you know, Nathan Adrian, any one of those great college athletes that they had issues during their college time. Poof, ups and downs. You know? So, so that's the, the job that we have as coaches. And, and naturally, you can say that. You know, I don't know how your team works, but. The NCAA rules, they don't allow us to take the, the scholarships away because of performance. The only way that we can get it away is if they break the U.S. law, if they break the university law, the rules, or they break the team rules, like doing drugs, uh, uh, 
being at a party, getting a DUI. But otherwise, I'm stuck with a kid for four years. Yeah. It's, um, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. Go so ahead. I was just gonna say that for, for us, it's exactly the same scene. And, and that was actually, this was actually one, another one of the reasons why a few years ago I realized that, okay, uh, this is the kids I have. My responsibility is to really get the best out of them. And how do I assist them? How do I help them to really tap into that true potential they have, right? Because everyone has it. And, and I realized that instead of getting frustrated, I'm like, all right, well, how do I figure to kick this kid out? Because I couldn't do it. I can't just like take away a, a scholarship. Um, I started like saying, okay, well, I'm going to take more responsibility in terms of connecting with the athlete and really dig into this whole personal growth and, and, um, you know, and, 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 and challenge him in this way. And, and honestly, I, it, for me personally, it's been a, a, a night and day. I, I've been a lot, a lot more successful in kids that are here for the right reasons and, and really are working on challenging themselves. Now, that doesn't mean that it correlates always that to, to get personal best times, but the, the intention and the, the challenge is there, which is what you want to see, right? And, and kids. So, um, for sure, um, you know, it's the same way for us, yeah. In some some college teams, the old school college teams, the, they, the coaches have been there for many years, and they have a really good relationship with compliance. They can cheat. They can figure out ways of kicking kids off the team. More and more, when you find out that a coach has left their job, if you read Swim Swam or one of these places, oh, Coach Sergio left his job because he wants to spend more time with his family. Uh, normally, it's because he's been fired for doing something wrong, and sometimes it's for taking the scholarship away from the kids. You know, so it's more and more. It gets, it's very difficult for for the coaches. Uh, you have to utilize whoever you recruit and whatever money you put on people. You have to do the best you can to help them out. Sometimes you cut your losses, and you have a kid that you thought was very good becomes a pain in the ass. You kick him off the team keep the scholarship, but never come to the pool. Because having that person is gonna be more of a cancer than anything else. But if not, you wanna help them out. You know, you know, I had kids in the team. I had two girls in the team. When I first got here, they were very bad. They wanted to kill themselves. They, they were suicidal. And they tried to do that. And I could have, I could have very much said, you know, Go work on, on, on your life, go on, don't worry, you're not gonna miss swimming. But instead, we help them out. I help them out. Why? Because that's gonna help the team. It's gonna help that person, it's gonna help the team. These kids never score for our team, never. But they graduated from college, they're so thankful, and, and they have, they're gonna have a better life because of that. And that has helped the team to perform better because they know that you're taking care of people. I don't know if that makes sense, man. Yeah, so um, I think that, that fits in well to um, where I wanted to go is the, the role of the life coach, because um, you said you're, you're not a psychologist or sports psychologist, um, but where, where on the continuum does it fit? Uh, life coaching or, or, or psychology? Um, is, it, is it proactive? Is it intervention or 
is it reactive? Uh, because you said the kids, you don't, uh, they, they come to you, you sort of don't go after them. But uh, yeah, like, what is that continuum for, for you? Um, is, do you? If you saw, if you identified something that was a problem, do, do you intervene? Um, and also at what stage do you say, uh, this is beyond my current scope? Um, as a coach or as a life, as a swimming coach or as a life coach. And now actually we need to go to another level, uh, a doctor, a psychologist. Uh, so it's, how does that fit? Yeah, no, it, it, that's a great question, right? And, and um, you know, you, one has to be careful with this, right? Because as a life coach, you, you cannot diagnose, right? If there is a major issue, right? Now I've, I've taken part of the course, uh, you know, it'll give you like, the different signs uh, to see if there is something bigger out of your control, right? Like again, eating disorders, personality disorders, uh, major depression, like some things that are very clear that you know, okay, this is out of my, uh, I'm, I'm out of my reach. And then, you know, we have other professionals that will take care of it. But um, again, um, I serve as the first line, uh, you know, they always, first of all, when you build that relationship, the kids are always going to come to the coach, right? They, they, they want to, especially if you have a good relation, they want to share with you and they want to talk to you about things, right? And, and now there, there is some codes and, and some ways of doing it. But uh, as I said, I, I, I never force, um, they come to me. Um, some of them are come in a more of a, you know, in a weekly basis. Some of them they come once a month, right? And uh, typically the, the, you know, the biggest thing they can't talk about is to help them set goals, right? That's usually the, 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 again, uh, moving from where they are to how they want to get, uh, you know, further. But sometimes the conversation uh, starts, goes in a path. I start, once you start making these empowering questions, you start really getting good at it. You start getting into a path where now there, you see that there is something that is bothering them and it's something that they have an issue and they, they might not be aware of. And, and that's the idea with this question to, to make awareness of it and how they're going to, are you know challenging and, and working on, on, on that situation right and um, it's very interesting process as i said it takes time and those that actually put the work on like everything else uh, you know they, they they come up with with amazing solutions to to this to the situations right and it's pretty pretty amazing um yeah to, to short answer your your question uh yes i they come uh, they come to me um sometimes it's not even a formal session sometimes might be after the the, the practice and and they come to me and, and they notice themselves uh they were upset with something during practice and and they want to bring it up to my attention and 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 they it's amazing with those that i've been working with they do the reflections themselves i don't even have to say much they know you know they can give you the, the process broken uh, you know how they reacted and and what went through their head and and how they need to work it for next time and, and it's amazing they know exactly uh, once they do this process uh, you know how, how to break it down uh, so again it, it all depends um, uh, but um, but when it becomes a bigger thing when now you notice or I notice I see the signs where it's uh, something uh, you know more of a mental health issue where it's out of my and uh, yeah, I definitely uh, encourage them to, to seek uh, the profession. So. Uh, for example, I'm going to uh, piggyback yeah. with him. Uh, at the university level, I don't know, at Florida International, but for us, we have enough sessions with the school 
telling us and trying to show us the way to communicate with the right person. So for example, sometimes a kid doesn't have to tell you they have issues. You can you can see it by behavior. So the way they lose weight or the way by the way they come in every day. And so once you identify things like this, you can figure out a way of of not talking with that person about it, but finding the right person to talk with him or with her. And it, it, it started with a liability issue. Everybody talks about mental health, but I really believe, and I don't have a problem saying this, that it's more a liability issue than, than it started like that, you know, because they, everybody gets sued for nothing in America. So, so we have to protect ourselves too. You know, when a kid comes into my office and says something like that, like the kids that came into my office and told me that, I cannot do anything. I cannot talk to them about helping them see life better. I, I, ha I have to find the, the person, direct them, and then what I can do as a coach is provide a safe environment for them where they can feel good and I empower them to be good. But I, there's no way that, that you can take that job. You know, you're not a psychologist or a psychiatrist and you, you know, we don't have the tools. But we have the tools to create an environment where that person feels safe you know, and feels empowered to, to grow, you know. Hey, um, Ignacio, sorry, I missed the first hour because I was actually teaching, but um, I'd, apologies if you've already kind of said this, but obviously just listen to the life coaching stuff that you're saying. I just wondered, is, is there um, any, uh, did you do any kind of, not necessarily formal qualifications, but something like, I don't know, cognitive coaching or, or something along those lines to enable you to formulate good questions and things, you know, in those situations of the life coaching situations. Uh, apologies if you've already answered this. Yeah, no, uh, no, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, but I, I did a certification. There is a life coaching certification uh, that I did. Um, you know, it took me about nine months and, and, uh, you know, the, you know, you, in order to be 35, you got to do all these practice hours, as I said. And I mean, I, I, I put a lot of time into it. Again, the, 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 it wasn't just something I, I read or I, I did put the time. Um, again, I, I am, not everybody has all this time in the world to, to put already enough to our job. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's just called a, a life coaching certification. You become a professional life coach. And, you know, from that point on, you can you can start uh, working. I don't have a business. I don't use it to, to yeah. actually have clients. Uh, my sole purpose was to get these tools so I can, I can become a better coach uh, for my athletes. That was, that was it for me. So, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Any other questions, guys? Hey, Ignacio. Um, I re really appreciate you coming on and talking to us today. I thought it was really great it's something that i've probably become a lot more interested in during this time and sort of stepping back and um being a, a bit more self-reflective about my own personal growth and then how i can sort of um take that into my coaching as well so it's, it is something i'm really interested in um i wanted to ask how much when, when the kids come to talk to you how much of that is you leading the conversation or teaching ways that they can go through this personal growth process versus sort of letting them sort of figure it out on their own 
Um, so thanks for the, for the question, Alex. Um, that, that is a very good question. And, and honestly, the answer is there's not a, a formal way, right? There is not like, okay, uh, let me let me pull out a, a, a you know a, a sheet of paper and let me start asking questions that I have written down here, right? It kind of like flows. It's a conversation. Um, you know, as I said it before, like uh, these skills that you know that I learned that they help me with practice. You start getting better and finding the, the right signals and what direction to take, right? But for for a rule of thumb, it's honestly it's, it's them, right? They they just come up and, and you start. It's really just using these uh, uh, powerful, um, empowering questions. It starts taking you one way or another, right? Sometimes they start making answers. They start giving you answers that will take you one path. Uh, sometimes they have no answers, and that's perfectly fine too. You know, they they don't have to answer, and then maybe you take a different route, right? Um, there is the, the good thing about also life coaching, and again, I'm, I'm now talking about the certification, which I, I didn't really want to get into it, but they have a lot of different tools, right? They have uh, values assessments and, and um, tools, and, 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 and it, it, they do a test for, for all the energy levels and all those things. And sometimes I've, I, I can use some of these uh, tools for the athletes, and when there is nothing really that they know what to talk about or they want to do, uh, but most of the time it's just, you know, they come up with, with a situation or they come up with a feeling, right? Uh, I usually like to ask, okay, well, this situation, how did it make you feel, right? And when you start going that path, um, I like to use the value assessment many times too, you know. Uh, it's important, I believe, I think it's, it's very important to understand the athlete uh, value system, right? And when you know their values, you start understanding them and connecting with them better uh, and why they give so much attention to this over this, right? Um, because they have a value system and, and challenge that value system, right? Sometimes you're going to find out athletes, people in general, that have value systems that they don't know why they have those values in the first place. And it's something that it was ingrained to them when they were a kid, right? Or that's what they've all been being told. So that, that's the idea. You challenge them, right? And then you allow them to reflect on that. And um, so I, I don't know if I'm really, again, answering uh, and then, oh, the one thing I always, my go-to is always the goal setting, right? That's always uh, something that, all right, so, okay, so you didn't achieve your goals, or you didn't swim faster, or, or this happened. Okay, so what next? Okay, what do we do next? Uh, how do we get out of here? I, I help the, uh, I move them to take responsibility, okay? Uh, sometimes they're going to give you excuses, well, or, or when you see they start going into a negative path, or, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not good enough, I'm a failure, uh, this and the other. Uh, how true is that? You know, I challenge you, how true is that? Who told you that? You know, you start asking some of these questions, and, and, and you move them out of that uh, catabolic energy I was telling you about, right? That big thing, uh, energy sometimes that, you know, they, they go to, and, and, and you allow them to take responsibility, okay? Well, uh, how are you going to... How are you going to proceed from here? What are we going to do next? Um, you know, so I mean, I know it's a it's a large answer, but uh, again, I hope you helped a little bit. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. Uh, anybody else, guys? Yeah, just hi, guys, Coach Ivan. Um, you know, there's um, in our school. I'm not sure, probably in many schools in Singapore, uh, they uh, kind of promoting this kind of uh, style, uh, even in teaching now. 
um, uh, we have in schools one, I think, 150 member of staff, and I think about 75% of uh, teachers slash um, managers, etc. They are certified coach uh, coaches. So um, I found for myself it is extremely powerful uh, model. Um, like we already said here, here we are goal settings, which is really cool. You don't have to tell kids exactly what they have to do, and they have to. You just guide them through, and they set them the, the realistic goals. Um, it is time consuming. I just, I just, it's not, the, it's not the question. Not I'm just sharing my experience. It's it is time consuming thing. Uh, if you follow proper model coaching, uh, it is actually very time uh, time consuming uh, process. Um, obviously, it's depending on situation, depending on issue as well. Uh, but what I really stick to my, say, poolside side time where I am coaching. And, you know, we are, very often we have one or two swimmers per session where we chat for five, ten minutes, uh, just checking on how, how we're feeling, etc. So I'm using coaching moments. It's a kind of little bit parts of it. So it's not exactly the process. It's just a bit of it, which is really helpful uh, to, when you are holding conversation uh, with a swimmer who might have some issues. You know, some, we know, we know they work very hard and you see uh, child become quiet, not talking, not sharing, sometimes not even saying hi. And, you know, you get and have that conversation. That's, that's actually quite cool. But in, we're also being encouraged to use it in, in our teaching. I'm also teaching uh, physical education. But unfortunately, with massive group of children, like 24, 20, 20 kids, it's a bit too hard. It's, it's more like one-to-one -one thing. And in goal setting, is a super powerful thing. Because in the past, uh, I just want to say we also have all this uh, scholarship program in our school, uh, swimming program. So, uh, And then I had at the start, I had to get kids and set up goals. Some of them, you know, more, more was coming from me rather than from them. But now I changed it, and over the last couple of years, actually, they setting their own goals. And sometimes those goals are not necessarily personal best time because, you know, swimmer had a, a very bad season and times did not improve. And for me, uh, as a coach, oh yeah, let's at least drop zero point five. It will be amazing. But actually, child thinks, oh no, you know what? I'm happy to just get back to my times this season, for example. So it's pretty cool, actually. Thanks for that. Thank you. Thanks, Ivan. Thank you, Ivan. I would like to make a comment because it's always a, the topic of time. And my thought is always about being effective. Um, I, I know you guys probably have heard about neurolinguistic programming, NLP. And Ivan talked about goal setting. And, you know, how, how now becoming a coach is not a question. Everybody has to learn how to become better asking questions and doing things. And I'm thinking, and I hear, I'm, I hear you used to somebody. I'm just thinking, why can we use the coaching style, learn, get certified, and then use it in um, training? For example, as you, as you give a set, can you use words that reflect goal setting? Can you use words that reflect asking provocative questions? Because this is what happens, this questions mind. It's like when you were a kid, when I was a kid, Says you can tell you were not bad kids, but we got into trouble a lot. But when they tell you something, sometimes you think that you're not listening, but you go to your room and you listen, you start thinking. So you have 
20, 30 kids. I used to train kids uh, in the Summer Lakes in the U.S. for nine, nine, 11 years old. I would have 40 and 50 kids. It was a nightmare. In that time, I didn't know that much about the coaching style and all that. So what I'm thinking always when I have groups, even as a leader, because swimming is a session management, it's like a business, you have different structure. It's how can you use the power of the words, the power of the structure of the words that the mind uses, because the mind has a process. NLP tells you, if you use the words in a certain way, in a certain tone, it will go easier or not. So that's the reason I always mention, how can we do things to make the coaching easier? So think about that. Can you use, Ivan, anything that you learn about goal setting, anything that you learn, you know, that I mentioned that Nacho did a very good presentation about the questioning, the powerful questions. Can we use that in training? Even if you think that nothing is happening, somebody's listening. There's always listening. They may not seem, they may talk to the kid, but there's something always going in. And then one day what happens is they have trouble. They don't know what to do. And they remember the question. They remember the story. You can do an analogy. You can also create an analogy between a story. They love stories, kids. A story and something that you want to teach them. So I think coaches need to become smarter because smarter than uh, talking and giving things so life becomes easier. I'm saying it's beautiful. When I learned, you know, uh, what Nacho is mentioned, when you learn that, life becomes easier because now you can communicate on a different level with less effort. So think about that. I'm just putting that as a reflection because I know time is hard for you guys. It's very hard. You know, when I go and train, help work with coaches, it's very hard. You have too many people, too many things to attend. So why not to take the time even outside of the pool to learn these things, practice with the family, with the neighbor, in the store player, anywhere that you go, with the taxi person, practice the, the, the conversations, and they go to the pool in Dryland. How many hours you you spend a, a week with the kid in Dryland, with your coaches? Because at the end of the day, also, if the coach is talking a certain way, the team is going to think that way. If you have coaches that they're at aisles, they, they, start by, they work by themselves, you see how the teams, they separate. It happens. You start having groups of teams in the same teams no one team you start having why because they talk different they think differently so it's very powerful i love this conversation for me it was wonderful because i love this it will be great if we can take it to the next level because i'm sure you will start seeing changes uh, in your team without having to maybe have those conversations outside the water so much because you cannot have 50 60 kids it's impossible to have half an hour conversations every so often it's hard you cannot do that but you can talk in a certain way that will listen. They will hear, 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 and eventually they will understand. And they won't even know why. So just wanted to point that because what you mentioned, Ivan, is very powerful. I know, it's very powerful. Now, how can we apply it every day to what we do? I well, think that's, that's a question. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, thank you. That was awesome. I think, um, you know, it's I, what I have noticed. I'm not saying I, I'm doing it exactly like what, what I learned. But what I noticed in our school and in our team and uh, between staff, between, you know, in our office and um, in our meetings, it's, it's becoming more common now. So uh, everyone just keep using those questions and appreciating um, each other's thoughts and et cetera, et cetera. And it's becoming more like I, I, I we're not like, uh, you know, if, on 24 7 we would be on that mode coaching mode and use those questions that would be amazing i think it's a kind of wow that's great um uh, great thing like you said children staff etc coaches everyone uses that language 
but I think slowly in our school, in our community, it's it's coming through. It's not it's, it's not a super fast uh, change overnight, but I think sure. it's it's changes like it changes. Um, you prepare for that. So sort of even if it's meeting one to one or it's a group meeting, you already prepared. You kind of not intentionally you know how meet how meeting going to be structured. And I think, yeah. And, yeah, I think I know. I, I mean, I think it's quite similar. To, to what we're doing. I think for me, the, the issue is, is as everybody starts to learn, like so many, we're very similar to Ivan, so many people have gone through what is cognitive coaching course or, or whatever, to the point where you know yourself, and this is what I don't like about it, so I've got to put myself in this frame of mind for my athletes. You know yourself when somebody's trying to coach you and you don't want them to coach you at that particular moment. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy feeling. I'm on the same thing. Yeah. If I ask for it, it's an amazing tool. Like if I go to my line manager and say, hey, look, can you coach me through this? I'm having a bit of issue with this kid. I'm not sure what to do. And they'll then coach you to help you. I think that's great. There is times when I know that somebody's pretty much practicing their cognitive coaching on me. And I'm like, eh, all right, I, I, don't, I just want you to tell me what to do right now. <laughs> but I, I think one of the rules, you have to ask permission. Uh, that's if you're really a running coaching session. But if you're using coaching moments, just a little bit of it and just using those questions. I don't think that's, that's a problem. It's just you becoming a really, really next level person uh, in terms of communication. So it's not, it's not really pure coaching. It's just the way you are communicating. So that's, I think that's, uh, but you're right. I had a terrible feeling. I said, oh, stop, stop, stop coaching me. Come on. It's not the time. I, I want to hear yes or no, you know? I want to hear yes or no. That's it. You know what? I heard that before. I call him many times. Coaching coaches, swimming coach, team coaches. You tell me, and I'm like, no. You have to think about it. No, you tell me what, yes, and not what to do. I'm like, no, my friend, you have to, you have to find the answer now. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna challenge everyone. Go out there, and if you learn some of the questions that you know, take some of the questions that match your place there. You just go everywhere and try with people. Be conscious of what we're doing until it becomes second nature. So when you do it, it doesn't feel like you're doing it. That's the art of coaching. It's like a dance. It's not just say, when you learn it, you know, I don't know. If, I have this book here because I, you know, I read it a few times, but I don't know if you, anybody knows. I just had it. I just saw it here, but it was next to me. This is very old from 19, uh, whatever, you know, 18, very old. And I was reading, I'm like, I read it before, but I forgot it. I used to look at it two days ago and I'm like, man, this is powerful. I remember doing these very simple things of saying, so at the end of the day, you have to practice. When you practice, it becomes so natural that when you do it on somebody, but remember, you want to do it with kids, you can do it with your wife, but don't tell them that you, you learn coaching. <laughs> no, 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 no. It happens. And my wife's doing it with me. That's yeah. the issue. That's the problem. <laughs> have a bottle of whiskey with you in your jacket. Like sometimes you're like, anyway, that's a good conversation. Thank you guys for the points. Thank you. Uh, but awesome. And anybody else has any any questions or any any thoughts that they want to share with all this? Uh, I think I'm very happy that, um, that hey, Matthew, that you you share this with us, and I think it's really good to be able to talk uh, about things like this, and hopefully it helps us all to be better people, you know, to reflect and to think. And, and I think to help our kids, the, 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 the athletes, they, they 
cross our path to be better people, you know, that's, that's important. So, so yeah, uh, I don't know if anybody has a question or not. Uh, I, I, you know, Helen, do you have a question? I don't really have a question. I probably have a bit more of a statement about saying, you know, it's, it has been an interesting talk and like my background, I actually did a um, degree in youth work. So I don't like it. It's not really my entire background, but it's definitely been something that I've used a lot in coaching. And I've always had that interesting observation of saying, you never know quite what tool you use, how it's going to, in that long term, affect a swimmer and their decision making and quite what you say or do to make that kind of flick switch in a kid from somebody that kind of just turned up at training to somebody that's a really committed swimmer or vice versa and that kind of thing. And it's always been an interesting thing. You know, as much as you could say, oh, you would think that you could do ABC and you'd get D response. It's not always that way. Thanks, Helen. Um, anybody else? No? Awesome. I, it's time for me to get a couple of, uh, a, a bottle of Jack Daniels and have a drink so I can go to sleep and nature too. It's almost midnight here. But, um, but th thank you very much, you guys. I think um, uh, Nacho, Ignacio, we call it Nacho uh, in Spanish. That's a nickname for Ignacio. So I'm sorry that I keep saying Nacho. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I wanted to thank you for again for the opportunity and, and thank you for everybody too. I, I think this is a great debate and sharing all these comments. Uh, I know it's a little bit different from the X and O's and, 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 and training. I, I just wanted to bring a different perspective, but I truly appreciate everybody, um, you know, all the great questions and, and comments and, and, and great uh, thought provoking idea. So, so thank you, everybody. Thank you. Awesome, guys. Have a beautiful night, a beautiful day. Uh, We'll go next week, hopefully. I'll send you an email. If anybody has anything that you guys, one of you wants to present about anything, just let me know. And if not, I think there's a list of things that we still we can talk, or I can come up with something else. And let's let's meet next week and see where this thing takes us. All right? Awesome. You have a beautiful day, guys. And thanks for coming. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.